Well, welcome. It's good to see all you. Everybody say hello to Daniel. Thank you for leading us. I keep wanting to say this this morning, you know, but uh, we are in the afternoon. How's everybody doing? Ready for Christmas? Everybody get their last minute shopping done and everything? Yeah, great. So again, you know, you guys surprise me pleasantly surprised me I like like there's no way you know we thought like 15 people are going to come to a Christmas Eve service at this office but we do have the fireplace I don't know how you argue with that um you know you don't I don't think you get a fireplace at uh, Saddleback but you do get one here um there there are a couple seats up here if you want I'm so excited uh to have you guys with us I want to read the Christmas story for us this morning and one of the traditions that Chris and I um, do is on Christmas morning, all of our children, even at now at 23, 21, 17, I don't know, they're, they're old, but they, they all jump into our bed and, and we read the Christmas story and she makes us sing and that's painful, but, but there's something about it, you know, and, and there's something precious about this story. And it says this in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. The mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to the son and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, again, we say thank you for this Christmas story, for this opportunity to come together as family, to worship you. Holy Spirit, speak to us this afternoon and we thank you in Jesus' name. This Christmas story is really about radical hope. It's about this crazy radical hope. I mean, you look at day one of the Christmas story. You look at the start of the Christmas story. Angels coming down and telling people not to be afraid. I mean, I, I don't know about you. A young woman pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Little crazy. Not only uh, that, but the, the, the husband not wanting to expose her just kind of covers her. You know, what, what do you do with that? A husband who believes this story. Not many husbands out there would unless they encountered an angel. And oh yeah, by the way, this son will save the world. It's a radical story from the inception. From the beginning, we see this. Here's what I was thinking as I've been wrestling through this. What does that really mean to be radical? And the definition is it's an adjective. This is very new and different from what is traditional or ordinary. This radical event, Christianity, my encounter with Jesus, your encounter with Jesus is a radical event. It's not ordinary. So to look in contrast, we have to really look at what is ordinary. What does ordinary look like? 
with no special or distinctive features, it's normal. In, in some of the similar words, usual, typical, standard, common, that's ordinary. Someone please tell me how this birth of Christ and all that went on from the end to the manger to the wise men was anything other than radical, anything other than extraordinary, yet has become ordinary in so many of our lives. Tell me what's ordinary about the birth of Jesus. Please tell me why it's just another Christmas. Has anybody felt that way? You know, it's, it's easy to get into that rhythm. Just another Christmas. Just another time of presence. Another time of wrapping. Another time to fight with Chris because she's wrapping presents and I'm sleeping. Another time to, to, you know, yes, she's shaking her head, yes. One of our, our biggest fights in marriage was Christmas in Austin, Texas. And, and you know, it, you have traditions. And my tradition is, is you watch It's a Wonderful Life and you go to bed. Her tradition is to buy presents and wait to the last minute to, to wrap them. Two that don't coexist. So I'm sitting on the couch watching, you know, it's a wonderful life. It was a wonderful life that night until Chris approached me and said, you need to start rapping. And it became like this huge, huge, huge Christmas fight. Um, it was radical <laughs> to say the least. Please tell me in all seriousness, why this event is ordinary. It's not. It's not. I read this story over and over and have to believe that God never meant for me as a Christian, for you as believers, to live ordinary lives. That God has never called us to be ordinary. That he's never called, because I see what happened on this birth of Christ. And I see this radical love that he has for me and you. I see this radical uh, encounter into this world that Jesus comes and saves my life. And I see what he's doing. I go, there's nothing ordinary about it. I read this over and over again. And I've got to believe that God has called me to something other than an ordinary life. You see, biblical hope is radical. This Bible that we read and that, that I preach from and, and that we try to live our lives by is a radical Bible. It's life changing. It comes with the certainty that my life has to be different it's continually changing in a way that moves us each and every day. See, this word of God, this story of Christ coming, fully God, fully man, can't help but change my life. It can't help but make me a different person. It can't help but put hope in my soul. It can't help but allow me to look against everything that I see. Allow me to experience this radical Christ against everything that I feel, everything that I feel like is coming against me or whatever is caving in on you at this time. And the question is then why are so many Christians living in the Christian, what I call Christian matrix? What does that mean? It looks like this. Thanksgiving comes along. Then after Thanksgiving, hey, we got to get the Christmas lights up. 
and the Christmas lights go up and the decorations hit and then we go Christmas shopping. Some of you go Christmas shopping. Chris waited till yesterday. But normal people go, no, you didn't this year, actually. I'm sorry. Just started another fight. Um, but, it, it, you know, Christmas shopping, company Christmas parties or, or church Christmas parties or, or parties with your family. And then we throw a little Jesus in there. And then we wrap the presents. And, and, and oh, God forbid we forget Amy Grant Christmas on XM Radio. That is blaring, you know, and, 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 and you know, the fight with the spouse, the, the tension of this Christmas. And then we have the obligatory Christmas Eve service and, and make sure you don't go long past her. You know that one. And then we throw in a little more Jesus. And Christmas morning, we rip into the presents to see what we get. And we pull these presents apart. And then we have the big meal and we go into a food coma and take a nap. And then we repeat next year. This Christmas matrix is this, just this machine that's going over and over again without having the ability to stop in the middle and go, why, why do we have hope in life? Without having the ability to stop and just go, wait a second here, God sent his son for me to, to, to think and ponder and, and, and get out of this, this quote-unquote normality of, of Christmas and go, oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, God, thank you that I have hope. Thank you for who you are. See, the Christian Christmas matrix, it's completely ordinary. And for, for way too long, the church, we live in the ordinary. And I don't want to live in the ordinary. I want to live a radical life for Jesus. See, the Jesus I serve is anything but ordinary. He's anything but one that I can put in a box and measure up. And we have taken this radical miracle and we've made it into a holiday. And the church, us, me, you, people who know Jesus, it is who we are to go forth from this place, to enter into the story and bring the hope of Jesus, but not just on the 24th and the 25th, but through life. And we take this time at Christmas and we do a Christmas Eve service and we worship and we celebrate and we mark our calendars. But the, the, the reality is this, this radical hope that God's placed in us, this radical love that God has instowed, bestowed upon us, this radical life that God has given us is so that you and I can go out these doors tonight and sit in that Christmas party that I'm going to be in with about 15 of my uh, cousins and uncles and aunts, half that know Jesus, or maybe not even that many, and a few that don't and or that do, and and talk about all these. You know, the radical life that God has called me to is is this that I've already in my mind thought. I want to sit next to her, whoever her is, and I want to preach the hope of Jesus. I want to sit next to them. Now, the the beauty of tonight is it's raining, or hopefully it will rain, because my mom usually torches us and makes us go sing carols for the neighbors. I think the neighbors are happy, and I'm definitely happy. But there are strategic, radical moments that I'm looking for and asking God to give me with others during this season. What is radical hope in Christmas? What does it look like? Radical hope is Jesus first. It is radical for any of us to do this. Look, I'm going to be second. It is radical for any one of us to go, Jesus first in my life, John second. It's radical for any of us to think that way because the way I like to think is John first, Jesus second, you guys second and third, Chris is somewhere in there. 
It's kind of funny. No, it's not. She's not shaking her head, so no, it's not funny. I'm going to have more radical fights tonight than I've had in a long time. <laughs> Sorry. I love Jesus first is a radical thought in my life. It says this in Matthew 2, 1 through 2. It says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Where is he? Where is this Jesus? It's Jesus first. We'll stop everything we're doing. We'll put down everything that we have. We'll go on the trek that could take months, that could take weeks, could take years, whatever it is. We'll take everything that we have, throw it down, grab everything that we own to go see this one they call Jesus. That's a Jesus first heart. That's a Jesus first radical way of living your life. It's a way that I don't always live, but it's what I want to do. It's who I want to be, one who is radical. Because the problem is this with radical Christianity, is when you say radical Christianity, they usually put a label on you, you think you're the guy with the orange and blue hair that sits at the football game of the John 316 uh, sign. That's not radical Christianity. Radical Christianity is Jesus first, and what that looks like is me loving my neighbors well. Radical Christianity looks like this, that I'm constantly open-handed with what I own. It's not mine. Radical Christianity is celebrating this day, not because of the presence, although I like the presence and we're going to enjoy the presence, because Jesus came, fully God, fully man, and delivered me. It's radical Christianity. Jesus first. Um, oh, did it freeze up on me? Sorry. The wise men seek him, and they worship, and they gave. The two things they did, they, they worshiped him when they saw Jesus, and they gave all that they had when they saw Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus first means this, that I seek God with all that I am, that I seek him with all my heart, that he's first and foremost on my mind. And the reality is this, when I have the order right, when I say Jesus, John, everybody else benefits from it. When it's John, people, Jesus, I can be a bit of a pain in the behind. I know that's hard for most of you to believe because I'm so kind. That was funny. That was one of my best jokes. You guys aren't laughing. Radical hope. Number two, with Jesus, anything's possible. For some of you there today, you're going, impossible. For some of you, you're in situations in life and you're going, I don't know how this is going to work out. But radical hope, Christ coming, fully God, fully man as a baby and, and showing himself to us is, is it, it, the impossible coming to be. In Luke 1.34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? It's impossible. It makes no sense. But this radical hope in this radical Christmas, God does it. And for some of you, you need to hear this. For some of you, you need to know that, that God is right there. That whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, may it be financial, maybe it's be with your house, maybe it be a relationship, maybe it's going to be with the family this weekend, and that's just blowing your mind. But know that you know this. If you put Jesus first... And, 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 and you know this principle, that anything is possible. He can restore any relationship that's broken. He can bring free forgiveness for anyone who is, doesn't have the forgiveness. God is a miracle worker. We have to stop living in the ordinary and start living in the supernatural. 
Start living in the supernatural. What, what does that mean? Acts 1.8 says this. This is a promise of God. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you. When I came into this relationship with Jesus, I received the power of Jesus, which means I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're wrestling with, the power of Jesus in you will allow you to go where God has called you to be. About two weeks ago, I was meeting with someone, and they said, uh, you know, we're having coffee. They said, I really think you should shut the church down. <laughs> ah, good to see you. <laughs> and they said, you really don't have much of a church. I said, really? I really think you should just have some small groups. I, I didn't register in my heart. I mean, I, I love it when there's... Well, I, whether there's 15 of you or whether there's 80 of you, I love the church. And the enemy started speaking and going, ah, maybe he's right. Maybe you really don't have a church. Maybe, maybe, maybe all these things started coming to my, my mind. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And I don't have any inclination that we're not supposed to be a church. And you guys just really wrecked it by coming here tonight. Like if six of you come, I go, maybe he was right and I'm wrong. But this, you know, and, and, and then after this, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm asking my wife and Eddie and some of you guys. And they're like, no, we feel like God's doing something here. There's excitement here. And when we pray and Chris and some of this, there's an excitement about what God's doing. And and I, I look to this and go, no, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I know what God has called me to do. I'm going to walk this thing out. And literally in the next week, God opened these doors and we raised some money and we found a space that is, is I mean, mind-blowing how it all came up in the last week after this. And I'm watching God do this and this and this. And I'm realizing that he can do anything, but it's in that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, not in and of yourselves. I like to try to do it in and of myself. Number three, radical hope never asks why. It always asks how. Human nature is to ask why. I've done more funerals than I ever want to do. And one of the first things I say in, when I talk to people is this. You may never have the why question. It may never be answered. We, we just, sometimes we don't know. And, 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 and I love this scripture here because she asked the right question. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. How will this be? How, ordinary Christianity asks why. Oh God, why is me? Why me? Oh God, why did I have to go through this? Oh God, why? See, it's a, a false understanding of the radical nature of God. It's a false understanding of what happened at Christmas time. When you look at what happened Christmas time and you realize that, that God is omniscient, all knowing, omnipotent, all powerful, that I can only understand this little piece. I shift from, oh God, why me? To God, how are you going to do this? What are you going to do in the middle of this? How are you going to use this, Jesus? How are you going to shape my life? How are you going to shape? other people's life how are you going to take the, the 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 ashes and turn them into beauty See, that's the jesus i serve that's a radical concept it's a radical concept that says god can take the worst of circumstances and he can make them something good it's hard to understand 
Ordinary Christianity asks why. Radical Christianity doesn't. Radical hope expects Jesus to show up. I love this. Expects Jesus to show up. So many of us in Christianity don't expect Jesus to show up. The reason we don't expect Jesus to show up or the reason that Jesus doesn't show up in our expectations is because our expectations are wrong. And we've built something in our mind of this is what God's like. And we've taken God, this radical God that is is greater than I can ever understand. And we put him in this little box and we go, okay, God, let me rub the box, the genie, and, and you give me what I want. And he doesn't. He doesn't show up the way that you think he should show up. But here's what I know that I know that I know. That God shows up. That God shows up. Luke 1.39. At the time Mary got ready and hurried to a a town in the hill country of Judea. She had found out that she was going to be pregnant with Jesus. And she hurried to the county of Judea. She, she went after expecting God to show up in the midst of all this radical craziness. A young girl, not married, with child. Crazy. And she expected God to show up. And she ran into the arms of crazy. And Jesus showed up. That's the radical God I serve. And some of us out here are going, oh God, I need you to show up today. Oh God, I need you to show up in my, in my, in my heart, in my spirit, in the difficulties of what I'm wrestling with. Jesus, I need you. Some of you may not even know Jesus. And I'm telling you, you say, Jesus, show up. I was with a, 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 a man that I've known for a couple years, introduced by the CEO of the company that I work for, that is, he's been dying of, of cancer, and uh, Mikey, and, and, and I sat with him, and he, I mean, dear Jesus, he's skin and bones. He's, he's in hospice, and, and uh, I'm praying. I'm like, Jesus, I need you to show up. I just need you to show up because I, I got nothing. All I have is you. And I'm talking to Mikey, and, and uh, he's, he's more receptive to the gospel than ever. And, and we kind of joked about it being, well, of course, I'm on my deathbed. I'm going to be more acceptable, open to everything, you know? But we're, we're talking, and I said, Mikey, I'm not afraid of who Jesus is. Ask him to show himself to you and watch what he might do. Mm-hmm. And I left, and, and uh, I, I, I'm expectant that, that Jesus is going to show up in his life and that he'll know him. And Mary ran to the arms of Jesus and what he called her to. He, she literally ran. Some of us are running away from the difficulties that God didn't cause, but God in the middle of it will rescue you. And you need to expect that he will show up. Radical hope expects Jesus to show up. Why? Psalm 139, it says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet one of them uh, what, as yet there was none of them. What is he saying here? Is that God has laid out our path before us. He's already written the story. And he's asking us to Jesus first. And when Jesus first, we hear the voice of God through his word, that still quiet voice. We walk in the path that he's called us to. And he meets us exactly where we're at. He shows up. Too many times I'm doing my own thing. Jesus doesn't show up. 
Well, my, my kids, for example, the, the natural and spiritual run parallel. When my kids say, meet me here, I need you here to pick me up, but I got something going on, I don't show up. When I planned with my, I know I'm a terrible father. You guys judge me all you want. But when I plan with my children and they say, hey, dad, will you pick me up at this time, at this space? I'm there at that time, at that space. And not unlike our children, we're demanding God, show up, show up, show up. God says, expect me to show up in the context of who I've created you to be and what I've called you to do. And I'll show up every single time. I'll show up every single time. So the question is, ordinary or radical? Ordinary or radical? Ordinary Christianity is an optimistic thought that doesn't require any action. It's an optimistic thought, great, I've got a ticket to heaven. It's ordinary Christianity. Your life isn't changed. You come to church, my favorite line, how many times a month? Twice, twice a month. Okay. <laughs> An optimistic thought. I come to church twice a month. Uh, Jesus isn't first by any means. I'm first. I'll control this thing. That's ordi or ordinary Christianity. And unfortunately, that's the way many Christians live. And unfortunately, at times, that's how I live. I, I want to live a radical life for Jesus. I want to be set apart. I, I want to live a radical relationship with Jesus. You know why? Because it's hope. It brings hope. It is only as valuable as a person or a thing in which we place it. Radical hope is about Jesus. The value of hope comes from Jesus, and it comes from this history of Jesus. It comes from this moment some 2,000 years ago when Christ came, fully God, fully man, into the belly of this little girl and walked this earth for some 33 years. That's radical thinking. And God, I want to live a radical life as a Christian. I don't want to be the ordinary. Jesus is hope. Born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. He's radical hope. And he's radical hope for your life today. He's radical hope for your life next week, next month, next year. No matter what you're going through, what you're experiencing, what the difficult times, the good times, the bad times, whatever it is, it's right in the middle when we make Jesus first, when we expect him to show up, when we don't get hung up on all the why questions and we just trust him that he shows up in magnificent ways. And the next thing you know, you got a church building. <laughs> the next thing you know, there's peace in your heart about loss. The next thing you know, you don't have to have all the questions answered. You can trust the one who has all the answers. The next thing you know, you forgive. The next thing you know, you find yourself as the wise men, seeking and worshiping the creator of heaven and earth. The next thing you know, you find yourself giving all that you have. And the next thing you know, you see God's faithfulness. That's radical. That's radical. What I'm asking us to do, go be the church. Go be the church. Enter in a, into a radical relationship with this Jesus who we are celebrating his birthday. Enter into radical relationship with the creator of heaven and earth and watch what God might do. Watch what he might change in your life. Watch what healing might take place. 
and watch others around you ask you, how did you get that hope? See, that's what Christmas is about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about others. It's about others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, some 2,000 years ago, you sent your son that I might have life, life everlasting. Oh, God, thank you. God, I pray that, that we would live this radical life for you and we'd walk in the hope of Christ Jesus. God, I thank you for who you are. God, we love you. We celebrate this day. God, I pray that for divine appointments at dinner tables this next couple days, God, I pray for conversations with family members to bring hope, the hope of Christ Jesus. God, I pray that, that any the situations we're in over the next couple days, that, Lord, there be opportunity to share who you are, Jesus first, and that we'd encounter you. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.